Oi, sou o Process Man. Seja bem-vindo a mais um podcast Bahia Bug. Somos um podcast de arte, cultura, música. Dê seu like, inscreva-se no canal, ative as notificações para receber as novidades. Hoje estamos aqui com Dick Triscoll, um grande amigo, um convidado especial, direto da Escócia para Salvador. E eu vou começar fazendo a pergunta que eu faço sempre para todos os convidados. Are you most of an analogic or digital guy? Oh, well, I was talking about this the other day with some friends and uh, all the producers and all the DJs I used to know uh, had been in bands, right? So I was a drummer in a punk band. Uh, not very good. <laughs> and, uh, but now... DJs and music producers haven't been in a band. You know, many haven't been in a band, you know? So this is a big change, you know? And then many of them are digital only, you know? But for me, um, I like to have a mix of, uh, these days, cause I'm a lazy guy, uh, you know, most things are gonna start in the laptop, you know, with some ideas and things. But then uh, I still have, uh, I still have gear, you know, I still like the many things about analog. And also I like to work with musicians, you know, so uh, once things start going, you know, you bring in the different rooms, you know, so a mix. So you like to produce, um, like uh, having someone playing the, the songs? Yeah, if possible, especially, you know, some, sometimes, you know, there's many things you can do with software, too many things. Some software now, uh, I think uh, people get lost. You know, because so much in the box, you know, but it's nice to come out the box, you know, and remember uh, we're all human beings, you know, and making music, not uh, pressing buttons and uh, in a computer, you know, so. But sometimes for me, it's part of a process. Maybe I'm doing a remix or something. I get to a certain point, don't know where to go, you know, and then maybe ask a friend, Uh, I have a good friend, Robin, who helps me a lot uh, from Phase Action. And, uh, you know, then he plays something live, you know, and it changes the energy and it moves the song on, you know. So, again, you know, and uh, don't do it one way. How is your uh, production process? Like, um, do you compose also like your own stuff or you like to manipulate people's stuff like others? Some yeah. writers and, and composers. How, how, how is your process? Different, you know, because um, I, I was a drummer, you know, so I'm not musical, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and then with dance music, uh, uh, the importance of sampling uh, and the kind of house music I started with, you know. So we were taking samples, putting drums and effects, you know. My, my first love of music was dub reggae because uh, everything is in dub reg reggae about dance music, you know, like uh, uh, to take tracks, musical tracks, and to make them, strip them down, make them look, make them more simple, make them longer, so they're good for a sound system, they're good for a party, they're good to dance, you know, like, uh, you know, this is, this was the influence on me, you know, and, I think it's, it was the origins of dance music, you know. Uh, Did you have the opportunity to use those consoles to, to make that dub stuff, like so, using so, the mixers? So when, when we first started uh, 20 years ago, uh, you know, computers had like 
one megabyte, you know. <laughs> so it was only for, you know, for um, controlling uh, samplers and whatever. So uh, at that time, you know, everything, the synthesizer, the sampler, uh, everything came into the desk and any effects and everything, you know, you had to do uh, on the fly, you know. So, uh, so it was like reggae style mixing, you know, and you took many versions onto tape, onto that tape, and then decided on the best version, you know, the one where you didn't drink too much cassassa. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes the one when you yeah, didn't drink yeah. too much cassassa. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the back, people like used to cut the tapes. Yeah. Did you do that? Like, no. Nailing no. The, the tapes. No, but I, that was uh, that was a way a lot of people did uh, DJ edits, especially was to to uh, cut the sections of the tape and use the tapes. But no, I'm not that old. <laughs> You're not that analogic. <laughs> no, and I'm not that old, you know. But I mean, it must be a an interesting process, you know. I think uh, you must be very patient, you know. Like uh, whereas for me, uh, maybe I just gonna cut and paste, you know, and uh, I like some of the opportunities uh, of new software, but sometimes, uh, for example, uh, uh, I, I spoken to some young producers, and like I was saying about too much in the box, you know, yeah. whether it's Logic or Ableton or whatever, you know, the, so many plugins, so many uh, different gadgets, so many synths, so many, you know, like, uh, what are you gonna do, you know? So sometimes uh, you, it can be romantic, but sometimes it's nice to, I like a producer who has a sound because it's coming from, they like a certain machine or they like a certain you know, drum machine or even the, the, old, uh, the old samplers, the sound of the filter and the old sample has a warmth, you know? And then these sounds become a, a trademark, you know, of your sound. Whereas now you could change sounds and instruments for every single track, but uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, you know? It comes like, it becomes like a, a patchwork. Mm. Things are so different, songs are different, sounds are different. Yeah, yeah. But I remember, uh, I remember speaking to a friend, a uh, good producer, and I said, uh, I can never find new kick drums, you know, that, that I like. He said, well, just use the one you like, you know? and. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, yeah, it's okay. It's good to have a sound. Most yeah. of the best producers have a sound, you know. Me, I, I don't think of myself, I, I, I do produce music, I produce class. I don't think of myself as a producer, you know. I think of myself as a DJ, you know. More than a producer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some Because some people, you know, like you, <laughs> are very musical, like Jason, who I work with, you know. Jason can make music from uh, this table, you know, from a brick. Uh, you know, for me, um, a lot of producers were drummers and bass players in bands because uh, they couldn't wait to get rid of the guitarist and the singer because they're a pain in the ass, you know, uh, and they want all the attention, you know. And because in a studio situation, you could spend more time uh, on the parts, you know, on, on making something different. And also drummers and bassists who went into making dance, you know, dance music wasn't all about 
creating complicated melodies, you know, yeah. playing long guitar solos, you know, and you know, and maybe sometimes it didn't even have to be in tune, you know, like, cause you're taking samples and something that's gonna make a dance floor go crazy. It's maybe not an opera, you know, yeah. it's maybe not a symphony, you know, like, uh, I know, I can't remember the name of it, but one of the, the it was on an album called Looney Tunes, uh, one of very early rave music and was a, uh, uh, Led Zeppelin sample from Stairway to Heaven, just a dun, 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 on, on a on a sampler over and over again with with hip hop drums, you know, and uh, very simple, uh, maybe a little stupid, but was on a dance floor was amazing, you know, and at that time, that sound of something like the sound the Public Enemy used mm -hmm. of a sample repeating over and over, it sounded really new, you know. Nobody, we didn't want uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer anymore, you know, or the yeah. Electric Light Orchestra or Smooth Disco, you know, we wanted something with edge, you know, so people who were musical were cool, you know? Yeah. Do you remember the first remix you did? The first one? Um, not remix, but I remember the first track. So I didn't want to make tracks. Uh, I didn't want to be a DJ uh, and I didn't want to make, make music. When I, when I, came back into music, uh, I wanted to run a record label. That's what I wanted to do. I, I, I read a book about uh, reggae, about the Jamaican scene in the 60s. And one chapter in this book, it described all these people who set up small record labels during the early days of reggae and was just like one guy, you know, with a little money, bought some machines in a little room got some people to come in, you know, and then made this music uh, that went all around the world. Whereas before I thought that record labels were big guys with cigars and big car, you know, and you needed lots of money, you know? So by the end of this book, I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a record label, you know? And that was what I wanted to do. You know? When was that? Uh, that was like 2000s, 2001, 20 years ago. Uh, so we started the first label uh, and yeah, so I had some artists in the track and one of the artists said, let's make a track together. And I said, no, <sighs> that was stupid. And, and then we made, yeah, it, we, it's the first time I used a, we used a 950 uh, sampler uh, and a drum, some drum, a drum machine and a mixing desk and, and took a disco sample. Uh, can't remember the track, but, and put the filter up and down and put some delays and, yeah, and put a, I think a reggae, some sounds from reggae records and it was like a kind of deep house disco track. And yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is okay. That's good. Mm. How's the cachaça? Phenomenal. Okay, let me try that too. <clears throat> and uh, how's that, um, how was that, um, Discovery of Brazil. Do you remember the first time you came here to DJ? Sure, sure. I remember it like my birthday, you know, like uh, my first Christmas, you know. I, I came uh, 10 years. This year is 10 years. I'm kind of, Did this, you come to Marais at that time? Yeah, this is 10 years ago. I came to the Festival Marais. The first place I came was uh, Baragranji in Piauí. So I, I flew to Fortaleza. Fortaleza was the first time I touched this wonderful country soil, you know, like, uh, and I arrived after 20, 21 hours from Scotland 
and uh, I was tired. Uh, I knew nothing of Brazil. I knew like Pele and the girl from Ipanema, and that was it. Uh, and we've been booked to play the festival. And I arrived at Fortaleza. I said to the taxi driver, uh, you know, how long to the festival? Uh, normally, you know, it's like one hour, two hours. And he said, nine hours. And I was like, what? You know, so for nine hours, we drove from Fortaleza up this road, crazy road at night uh, with big trucks with no lights. And sometimes the road would just stop and we would have to go off the road onto a track and, and then back onto was well, for nine hours. And the guy who I was DJing with, he slept the whole way. I, the driver was cr crazy. Typical Brazilian driver on the wrong side of the road most of the way. And I didn't sleep at all. And then uh, finally we arrived in Paragrange and there was a nice, beautiful little village and nice beach. And um, yeah, for, from that night, uh, I just played this weekend, just did my own party in Sao Paulo with my friend Toots and then Toots, Sandra and Guga, who runs the festival, they were probably like some of the first three or four people I met as soon as I arrived. And they're still my best friends now, you know, like, uh, so this was, this was the start, you know. And, Special. Mm, and many of the people... This party I had on uh, Friday night in Sao Paulo at Bahaco, uh, there were many people there who I met uh, that time 10 years ago. You know, This is the thing I love about Brazil, you know. A, a Brazilian friend is a good friend and Brazilian people like to be with people and they like to share and be open. You know, it's very special. And, and the Brazilian music. Brazilian music, yeah. <laughs> now, well, I know how, more. How now I know more than the girl from Ipanema. How do you, how do you find do, how do you like Brazilian music? What what's the thing you like you, you discovered mm. from that moment on? I think I mean I, I was very lucky because at this time from you were a, a vinyl collector. Yes, I have many records. Yeah, uh, from when I was young, like reggae uh, onwards. Uh, but um, I was very lucky because at this time was a very special time. Uh, when people, you know, like festivals like Marais and people like Sauvagem, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of people who were involved in parties and festivals who wanted, who were interested in all sorts of music, like uh, Italian dance music and electronic music, but, but also interested in Brazilian music and who wanted to d discover, uh, rediscover a lot of the music from the 70s and the 80s in Brazil, and then put these things together, you know, in something that's going to be good for a party, you know. Uh, and Sauvagem in particular, Miloš and Augusto at that time, you know, were uh, very influential in, in this scene. So I met a lot of these people at the festival, and, um, and we became friends. And then these people, because they're Brazilian, you know, they started to share uh, music with me, you know, and also I started to work on a project called Barefoot Beats with Marie, which is people doing, you know, modern reworks of Brazilian music. So because of both of these things, uh, I started to listen more. And then each time from, from that year, I came to Brazil every year after that uh, first year. 
And uh, every time I came, I, I would uh, buy, buy records in Rio or Sao Paulo. And uh, I didn't know much. So usually I went with a friend, different friends, uh, so that I can find the, the record shops. Uh, like there's one run by a guy called Junior in Rio. You have to go to an apartment block and you go up in the elevator. and It's a small room and he has a curly hair, always smoking cigarettes and the records are everywhere. And so I needed help, you know, I needed a guide. But that was the good thing I liked about looking for music is uh, music is always about people. Uh, it's not never just about music. And through music, you're always making friendships and relationships like us, you know. And uh, so I remember those days when I would first go to the shops and people would say, what are you looking for? And I'd be like, I'm looking for everything, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, which isn't a good answer, but it's kind of true, uh -huh. you know. And uh, so uh, after, really after that, uh, I started to notice certain, you know, artists like Caetano or Jabosco or uh, uh, Gal Costa, Tom Zay, people, people who, who I liked, you know. Every time I heard, you know, I wanted to hear more, you know? Yeah. And, but the thing, to answer your question, finally, the thing I like about Brazilian music, which I think is quite unique, I think it's to do with the size of the country and also the history of the country, that, that Brazilian music is like a complete world of music on its own, you know? Yeah. It's connected to, especially to American music and, and to, you know, to European music and it, to an extent, but uh, it's like, it's a whole world in itself, you know? So, so people normally start, they know, they hear, or they know about samba or something like something traditional they associate with Carnaval or whatever. But then as you learn more, you realize that for Fortaleza, they have music that sounds like Turkish music. Yeah. You know, you have music from Berlin, which has a very different, you know, you know Curitiba again is, uh, you know, there's all these different, and then there's electronic stuff from the eighties in Sao Paulo, industrial, you know, it's uh, there's funk, there's disco, there's hybrids like Bailey funk. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a world, you know, and, uh, and people get, get lost in that world in a good way you know yeah and how about the label mm. and how do you choose the artist you're gonna release mm. usually usually the the job of uh, my job was a dj uh so I'm, i'm looking for music i'm listening to music i'm traveling uh, you know sometimes uh, especially before the pandemic i'm traveling eight months a year you know so uh I, I'm meeting people all the time. Uh, people, people are sending me music, but but for me, I I like the personal thing, you know. So so quite often the music finds me. Someone will come, you know. In the old days, uh, you know, I'm a dinosaur, <laughs> and in the old days, you know, people would come to your gigs and give you a CD, you know. Now people send you links, but I still like most of the best music. Um, I've found and I've released it has come from a, a personal contact, you know, like, like Jason, you know, like Jay Criv and I met, I don't know, 10 years ago or something through both doing a remix and then we started to exchange music and, and he did music for File Under Disco and uh, 
And again, you know, different people in different places just coming up. I like to meet someone. I like to like them. You know, uh, it's it's a funny thing to say, but I, I'm never gonna work for a big label because I couldn't release someone's music who I don't like. You know, if I if I didn't like their energy, I wouldn't release their music. You know, so uh, that's uh, it has to be a personal thing. You know, and uh, so so really, it's like. The music is all about people and it's all about relationships. And then if and that, feelings. And then if that comes to you that way, I think when the music goes back, back out, it's going to create other uh, friendships yeah. and relationships. And then the world's a better place. See, it's easy. We already, how many minutes when we solved all the world's problems? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all about feelings. It's crazy because um, uh, I was watching a video of a guy, he gives tips for uh, people who are starting in music industry. What should people do? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh, he's a good guy. Oh, he's a good he's guy. He's a good guy. Okay, some of these are, yeah. No, he says, do anything that pleases you. Mm. Try to make a, make the music that pleases you, mm. not the music that will please someone else or uh well because you get these other ones who say you know make sure you post 10 times a day you know make sure you that you know no you know. no no that guy's great uh, he, he, he gives like, that sounds much better yes like because if you please yourself first then yeah that's it that's the truth because mm. people try to invent something that's not the truth like some some music that will please the the audience or the sure. the owner of a label of the or the owner of a, a club it's like djing you know i i'm i don't think i could be wrong but i don't think i ever played a track i don't love you know i, I because you could become a dj by playing the most popular tracks by playing the tracks you think people want to hear about but i've never been able to do that you know like uh, i mean i have played some popular tracks but i have to love them you know because if you if you don't start from you loving the track then how are you going to make people excited and you know and want to take their clothes off it's not gonna it's not gonna work yeah you must love it that happens to me as well i can't just play any music that people ask me mm. uh, this this end of the year i i've received some invitations to play and uh <laughs> i first have to say do you know my style music yeah because i won't play this or that or that song i have to play something that pleases me yeah i, I must be happy yeah. I won't be happy if I play a song that doesn't please me. Yeah. I always know I'm in the wrong place when, you know, when you've been playing for a while and then someone comes up from the, the venue or something and they say, can you play something they can dance to? <laughs> you know, and you're like, okay, you know, this yeah. you can dance to. Yeah. Or sometimes you can be playing, I don't know, funk or something like that. And they say, have you got anything funky? And you're like, you know, but then you can't please, you, sh you know, the other truth is, you know, you can't please everyone all the time, you know, I, and uh, I take it very personally when people, when a night is not good, you know, it makes me, I'm very emotional uh, person, you know, when my, when my gigs are good, I cry. Uh, I had a boat party in, in Rio the other day and they're always very, I cried three times. <laughs> 
I had shit, so it was okay. But uh, but it's like so when it's bad, it's bad, you know. But then you have to just try to make sure. Again, the person, you know, if you're playing for people you trust and you know, and you know you're in the right place, then uh, usually it's okay, you know. And that happened to me last year when I played in your party in São Paulo. Ah, and a and a girl came to me and said, and everybody was dancing, uh-huh. and many people enjoying the, mm. the the music. They loved it. And then a girl came to me and said, "Can you play something for us to dance?" <laughs> and really? I said, uh, "Look there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's no. dancing. But no, but this time is house time. Yeah. But this is this is the problem, and also I think now is a cultural thing because uh, the art uh, and the setup of DJing comes from a time where people uh, watched television that they didn't choose, uh, where they listened to people that they thought uh, they it's worth listening to, whatever. Where, where they didn't think they controlled everything, you know. Whereas now we come from a time where, because of technology, uh, people think that they can tr- control everything. You know, yeah. they can choose their own soundtrack, they can choose their own TV programs. They can, you know. So really, the Being fast the art of the DJ is kind of out of sync, you know, because you're still asking people listen to me for. Three hours, four hours, come with me on a journey, and this kind of attitude, this kind of patience, uh, it doesn't exist, you know. And because of this, you have these festivals and stuff where, um, you know, DJs play for one hour because you know it's like maybe you can't ask for more attention than this, you know. I, I'm going in the other direction, you know. I've been doing a night in my city, and I think a lot of DJs have been doing this. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I play all from the start to the finish. How many hours? Just just four hours or something like that. But uh, but I would play for longer. But the club closes, <laughs> so uh, and it's it's great, you know. And, and people come early, you know, because then you you take the whole journey uh, together, you know. And for me, I always find that I end up playing better and and more interesting things and, and move it around because you have time to. Whereas, you know, if they give you one hour, it's really difficult, you know, because, you know, you have to create a feeling because it's all about feelings. It's all about people. It's all about love in the end on, on a dance floor. I, I play to, to see that look on people's eyes of, you know, that this, for that moment, it switches and nothing else in the world matters, you know, just the people around you, uh, the feeling, in the music and then we are, we're all like we're all like children again but you know to do this in an hour you know whereas when you have four or five hours to you can go here and there and finally you know get to the station you know but, uh, that happens i i used to playing here in salvador in a place called borracharia mm. and it's like that i play for five hours nice i start at uh, noon and the, the club closes at five. Mm-hmm. And it's the place where people go for the after. Right. It's nice. Yeah, they, see the after, because people are open by yeah. afters. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have to, uh, some of the work is already done. You yeah, know? you don't have and to warm up. Their you minds have to, and, uh, so you start the party like boom. Yeah. Up, yeah. energy. Nice. People come to dance. They they go there to dance. Yeah, 
It's good, that energy. I used to play in a club in, in Berlin called uh, Wilden Renate. And the first time I went to play, uh, we were having the dinner. And I said to the guy, so what time am I playing? And he said, nine o'clock. I said, oh, it's very early. He said, no, in the morning. Uh, I was like, okay, that's good. <laughs> and I never been to Berlin before, you know. And then so I'm thinking, what happens at nine o'clock in the morning? And um, so I went, there were some young guys, crazy guys. They were like, come on, let's go to the bar, let's go. And, and I was like, no, nine o'clock is a long way away, you know? So, um, so I went back to the hotel and had a little sleep. Then I got up, had some beer for breakfast uh, and went to the club. And at that time on Sunday at night, like, people are, lots of people are arriving, you know? Berlin never closes, you know? And the guys, the young guys, were, were they were on. They weren't looking good. <laughs> they were pretty, pretty wasted. And uh, so I got on, and yeah, that, it was amazing. Like I played for three or four hours. With, you know, this time on a Sunday morning. Have people, you been to people, Ibiza already? Have you played there in Ibiza? Yeah, many times. Yeah. Have you have you seen that bathroom parties there? Mm. Well, I used to play. In I've that, heard that's insane. Well, I used to play in that uh, place when it was space. Uh, used to play uh, We Love on Sundays, and I used to play uh, Carl Cox's Night. Uh, but and I played in where, where that room was. But in those days, it was called El Salon, which was uh, the small room. So in the small room, you could play music that wasn't house or techno. And in that small room. Uh, There used to be many people, not so many tourists, you know, more like a lot of people who were working on the island who would finish work and come along and a lot of people knew each other and was a great room. Was it was a nope. it was a very no, very good room. Very good room. But I, I haven't played it since it's been a toilet. Uh, that's and that's now for nights like Glitterbox and stuff like that. It's it's, it's now called High. Uh. Now in Ibiza I play in a place called Pikes. Pikes is a, you know Pikes. It's a no. Pikes. You know the Club Tropicana video for Wham, uh, and they're around the swimming pool. It's like an old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a hotel. It's a hotel that they made from an old uh, fazenda, an old, uh, uh, an old uh, like 80s, hacienda, uh, like like an eighties uh, decoration. You know, it looks like it's a typical Ibisenko farm. You know, a small. White, painted white, mm -hmm. small rooms, lots of steps. Uh, and uh, they turned it, this guy, Tony, turned it into a hotel. Uh, but very exclusive, you know, but not expensive, but very exclusive for, and so a lot of pop stars used to go there. Freddie Mercury, George Michael, you know, to to have some privacy, but also to party. And in particular, uh, you know, who were gay, because, uh, you know, there was a nice, at that time, a nice privacy involved. So actually now the, the, the club, the, the, the hotel had kind of gone out of fashion a bit and stuff, but now some people took it over and some friends of mine are involved and they, they turned it into like a hotel with music events. And, and actually the dance floor is now in the bedroom where Freddie Mercury used to stay. So it's called Freddy's and it's quite small and very intense. Uh, you have to be over 21, so the crowd's a little older. Uh, you don't pay to get in, 
but it's uh, the, oh, the vibe is great. The music policy is great, and and wild things happen there. How do you feel about um, the prejudice against um, uh, gay music? Like uh, here in Salvador, in, in Brazil, uh, disco-oriented music is still seen as a gay-oriented kind of music. Right. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. Well, it is. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it some, comes from yes. the gay scene. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, and some friends of mine even they make fun of me. Like, oh, uh, really? Because <laughs> yeah. I play that kind of music. Yeah. Uh, last week, I was playing a, a party, and uh, there was a DJ. He was a gay man, and he used the, like, a, I don't know the name in English, that stuff, like, he used to... A fan. A fan. And he used to open that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and the guys, like, uh, started saying they were going to buy one for me. Oh, right. you should have one of that. And they, yeah. like... Kept oh. the old night saying, yeah, you're good. So how's that in, in the other places you've gone? Yeah, I mean, you always have stupid people, you know. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, for me, uh, I was brought up in Glasgow, which, which in the 80s was a rough city. Uh, a lot of violence, uh, a lot of violence between... Uh, Catholic and Protestant, you know, you have half Catholic, half the city Protestant, everyone fighting, you know. Uh, so it was a hard place to be gay, uh, but uh, there was a strong gay scene, you know, uh, and in particular from the 1970s onwards, you know, like, uh, you know, for, for young people like me, uh, you know, the gay scene was always better. You know, whether you were gay or not, didn't matter, you know. The, the, the gay clubs had the best music. They had the best party atmosphere. They, they had more fun, you know, like, so the, the influence was very strong in my city. You know, that's how, so because of the gay scene, lots of the other clubs uh, in the 80s started to play more disco. They started to play Hamilton Bohannon. They started to play, you know, mixed with funk and, you know, and other kinds of music as well. But this music became dominant really because of the, the gay scene, you know? And uh, and in this scene as well, the, you know, the first house music got played, you know? So, uh, and Glasgow is now a very important city for, in the UK for, for dance music. And the origins of that all go back to the gay scene in the 80s, you know? So, so if stupid people want to say these things, you know, they're just, they just don't understand anything, which, you know, that, that happens, you know? And you, you get these things now with people talking about techno music uh, and, you know, who don't know the origins of techno music either, you know, like, uh, which are also, you know, black and to an extent gay and, you know, but you, you get stupid people, you know, I say to them, why don't you come? You know, and why don't you have a dance and see what it's like, you know, and mix, uh, mix with these people and, and see how you feel, you know. I, I think these people are afraid of something, you know. And some people are always going to be afraid of all their lives, you know. But uh, I feel sorry for them, you know. Me too. And they're welcome anytime they want to come. And I always invite them. Come, yeah. come and see, let's dance, let's have some fun. And I think in particular, there's another thing about Brazil and my experience in Brazil is uh, despite what's been going on here politically, um, I think in the last 10 years, uh, 
There's a very interesting experiment here, cultural experiment, uh, yeah. cultural change. We are particularly in Rio more and Sao Paulo than here, but no, where you are getting the gay scene uh, and the straight scene mixing together, especially because of Carnival and the traditions of Carnival. Sure. Into these parties that uh, that uh, people no longer care if they're gay or they're straight uh, and you know the straight people are dressing much more gay you know and expressing themselves in a very refreshing new way you know and uh, you know the 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 gender distinctions between i'm this or that you know that it's very fluid you know and for me that's a an amazing cultural thing you know it's very positive you know and uh, for me, it's changed me, you know, like when, when I first came to Brazil 10 years ago, I had like, like this, I have, still have a white t-shirt and short denim shorts, you know, and, and not at the party, that was that, you know. Now at Carnival, I like to, to dress up and I, you know, uh, somebody once said to me, uh, like in Scotland, people say, oh, you've got to be yourself, you know, you've just got to be you and just that. And I remember this Brazilian person say, why be you when you can be someone else, you know? And I was like, you know, <laughs> and, and the whole idea of uma fantasia, you know, like, you know, that for, I love this word, you know, we say costume, costume is so boring. You know, uma fantasia is what, you know, it's not yeah. that just that you're dressing up, it's that, you know, you can be someone else for, for a night or a couple of nights or whether that's carnival or a party. You know, this is a beautiful thing, you know, like, yeah. and it makes people make contact with things inside themselves and other people which are, are positive, you know? Yeah. So I say to these people, come and try. Yeah, you I know? think the new generations are changing this. Absolutely. Despite the, the political moment over the world, because we have yeah. that dispute mm. of the far right and the left wings. In, and, and in many countries, you know, in, many in countries. my country, in America, and yes, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a time of much division. You know, yeah. so and this thing is is about you know dissolving this division. That's why it's it's another one of the things about coming to Brazil, uh, and, and and I can't help but think that that has something to do with the music as well. That the music is very open yeah. and the music is embracing. Because now uh, now for me it's not so much even here. It's not about just Brazilian music. You know, that now everyone's playing. I mean, ten years ago even to hear a DJ, a European DJ play an African track or a track from Singapore or, or an old uh, Indonesian disco track. It would have been very unusual, you know. Now it's very difficult to find a DJ who doesn't have a lot of international music and, and it has to be a positive thing, right? Yeah. You know? And that's, I think, is also part of this change, you know. Yes, I like that. Mm, me too. I've, I've learned a lot about international music with other DJs, yeah, like American DJs, like European DJs. Exactly, exactly. I mean, when you look at record shops now, they have music from everywhere. You know, they have Peruvian music, they have Colombian music. It's like it's very refreshing, you know. And and this this has to also have a message, you know, that uh, you know we can put all this th all these things together, you know, in a new way, in a beautiful way, you know, and, and also you discover, you know, oh, wow, there's disco music from Peru, or there's, uh, I, I have some music uh, I bought from a good friend in Indonesia, 
uh, called Dea. He's a really amazing musician, an interesting, crazy guy. Uh, he's he's an amazing record collector. And I bought some uh, Indonesian music, which was made in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, and it was like, because of colonialism, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, in Indonesian musicians were playing in bands for foreign people, you know. And so at, at these hotels and these clubs, uh, they wanted to hear the same kind of music that they heard in other places, you know, international music for Europeans and things like that. So a lot of these uh, bands, they, they learned to play, you know, like pop songs and rock songs and, uh, you know, different things. I, and there's a couple of records I have uh, where, uh, you know, it sounds like Brazilian music, you know, because they were obviously trying to, you know, create the sounds of, uh, you know, sort of sing in a bar in Rio or something for their these international guests, you know, and, and that's amazing, you know, like, uh, especially in those times before the internet, yeah, you know, you have to remember, uh, Brazil, that in those days was a long way from Indonesia, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I like this idea, you know? So let, let me ask you something about the, 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 the record label. Yeah. 500 Disco. You still, uh, work with, uh, vinyl releases. Yeah. What, how do you think about that? Mm. I think the, the, the vinyl is turning out to be a, a, a common media again. Like people are buying more vinyls mm. nowadays. Kind of, yeah. Vinyls, vinyl is in a really strange place just now. Um, definitely, uh, it looked 10 years ago, we thought it would just stop, you know, it would just die. And then uh, a number of things happened. Uh, you know, some people just love records. Uh, also, you know, buying old records became more of a market, you know. And then also this whole interest in international music and stuff, and the label started to emerge. They wanted to release music from... from uh, from all around the world again. And, um, but also it, it kind of became trendy as well, you know, and all of a sudden the, the big labels, like Universal and stuff, it was seen as cool to have vinyl, you know, like, so all of a sudden big artists wanted to have vinyl again. So there are more records getting pressed uh, and possibly and more records getting released. But, um, Actually, the market, the it's, it's more difficult to press a record just now than ever before, or less, you know, you, you're with a big label because now that they're interested again, there's now not so many f pressing plants, uh, very few really compared to before. And, uh, and basically a lot of them are pressing vinyl copies of Beyonce, and vinyl copies of these things that uh, a lot of artists who I can't imagine many people actually buy those artists on vinyl, you know, because yeah. vinyl is still the medium of the DJ is the, maybe now the medium of the older people who used to buy records, who want to sit at home and have a nice, nice sound because a vinyl record um, still has a nicer sound than most uh, digital music, you know, a bit like smoking a cigar or something. You sit at home and you listen to the music, but I think there must be an awful lot of records 
of Adele and things on, on vinyl that, that um, just get destroyed, you know? Like, and meanwhile, people like us, now we have to wait six months or a year uh, for a record, whereas before it used to be six weeks, you know, only seven or eight years ago, you know? I went to the US. So I'm not sure that the statistics are right, that it, that's what I'm saying, yeah. that, that uh, there are. I went to the US in uh, November like, last year, and, uh, and I found many records in a supermarket. Yeah. We, we don't find this in Brazil, like a, a supermarket selling records. Yeah. But this is also a result of the big labels starting again. Yes, so, big labels. So it, it would be like the big, like the big artists, you know, like it's strange. I, but again, I don't know who wants to buy a Deep Purple album in a supermarket <laughs> on a Sunday, you know. Like, sometimes I think it's just, yeah, it's just there to be seen, you know, and uh, I'm not sure it's a big market, you know. Uh, but we also have the same, the, you know, even all the record stores for a while, the big record stores uh, like Virgin and HMV, and they stopped. They almost didn't have any records, you know. They moved to CD, and, blah, blah. and then all of a sudden the CDs were gone, uh, and they started to bring back some records, you know. Uh, but uh, the actual, I, and definitely like I, I live in a small city uh, in Scotland, uh, Dundee, but and now we have uh, three record shops, you know. And for a while we had none, you know, we had no, we had one it was old records, secondhand records, but now we have three, you know, so it's like there's the older market. And then there are some young kids who just like the idea of buying records. Uh, some of them not to DJ. I think they, they like the art. Uh, they like the physicalness of, of it compared to if all you ever knew was a phone, uh, you know, they don't even want to have an MP3 or a WAV or a digital Firefly, you know, because they just stream, you know. So, so something like a record is is like a little work of art, you yeah. know. It's it's, but it's a different thing, because you know you have this whole thing now. People say, oh, I only play vinyl, you know. I I got it on vinyl. I only, you know. Whereas like for people, probably you too, but for, for people like me, you know, when we started off, we only played vinyl, but not because we want is the only way you could play. Yeah. was to play but we didn't think it was special you know whereas now when they say it it's like they they're doing some kind of magic you know it's like yeah and for me as a dj i really don't care how people play uh, if they play well i don't care you know i don't care if it's i don't care if they use tractor i don't care if they use cds you know vinyl uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, if they do it well and it yeah. sounds good. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and uh, do you, uh, as pessoas não sabem, mas Dick é o dono do Fire Under Disco, que é o, o selo dele. E eu vou lançar algumas músicas por esse selo. I said, I'm, I am yeah, going yeah, to understand that. <laughs> so, uh, do you have other Brazilian artists you're going to release? Uh, your label i would like to but at the moment at the moment it takes such a long time to do a release that really we're going very slowly uh we used to be much faster and the label actually file under disco at first was the name because we were only going to do it as digital uh and then uh, which was the first time i ever had a label that we were going to do only as digital 
But then after like two releases, we changed our mind <laughs> and started to do because the people we were working with, uh, the project was to make or original music that was like disco music, but didn't have to be classic disco music, but was disco influenced, you know? Uh, and, um, and we used to, you know, in those days was faster, you know? Whereas now, uh, because of this, this, uh, this approach, you know, you need to have people not just doing edits, not just, uh, so you, you need to have people who are musical, you know, like you, like Jason, like, you know, other people we work with. So to find these people is more difficult, you know, people who are really musical and writing music and can play it, make it, uh, and also in the right style, you know, that's, uh, it's not so easy. You know, you can find people who can do edits, you can, f house music, much more people making it, you know, because the techniques are different, you know. Uh, yeah, the digital stuff helps. So, so I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm waiting for, definitely for the magic stuff, but there's a few artists, uh, Bernardo Pinheiro from Belém. Uh, I think he can make uh, some really special music uh, yeah. coming up. So, he's so sweet. Yeah, he's a beautiful guy uh, and a lovely wife, a little crazy yeah. like me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I have I have other friends, Jonas who does Jutro Mundo. And uh, yeah, th there's a few people kicking around out there, but you know, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. So I'm always asking people uh, and also trying to encourage people because uh, some people start with edits and start with remixes and, and sometimes they need someone to say, you know, well, you know, you know, did you think about working with musicians and other people and not copy something, you know, just do something else, you know, do something original, you know? So, uh, again, it can take some time, you know? So, yeah. but I'm looking for, again, now, now that the pandemic is over, you know, and I'm traveling again, I'm looking everywhere I go to, to find, and, and I have some stuff, um, of my own uh, that I've that I've been doing now for a few years that I'm going to release, which is is, is original disco stuff as well. With that I've worked with musician friends, and then Jason and I uh, we do this thing, Sentimental Animals, that we're doing on Razor and Tape, the label from New York, and I hope perhaps we'll do something as well. But I'm not really in a hurry, you know. I would rather wait, and each one is really good. And then I think there was a time in dance music where, and I, I think I was guilty of it as well. Uh, one year we did 37 releases in one year. Uh, and now, you know, now like maybe we do four across all the labels, you know, and uh, I think that's better, you know, like uh, I think there was a time when dance music was uh, going at a very, uh, very fast pace, you know, and making music, perhaps that was quite short term, you know, and uh, disposable. And I'm an old guy now uh, and I don't really, I would like to try, uh, I want to release music and I want to try and make music that's maybe gonna last a little longer, you know. Uh, maybe that's what happens when you get old, you know, but uh, the, I remember I knew the DJs in the 90s who wouldn't play a song for more than a couple of months, you know, mm -hmm. and then it would just, you know, or, you or some DJs who, who would have a percentage, like every week in their residency, they would have to play 80, 85% 
new music, you know, music that just arrived that week. They wouldn't, they didn't like to repeat because there was so much music and in, in each style, deep house, progressive house, trans, you know, that, that, you know, but for me, that maybe says an awful lot about the music, you know, uh, yeah. there was a lot of house tracks that you couldn't, the difference between them wasn't so great, you know, and, and what I like both, both now thinking about that in production, but as a DJ, everyone has a different way of thinking about it, a, a different process. But, but for me, uh, and perhaps because of this, I do repeat myself quite a lot because I, I have songs that I really think of as, as kind of my, my songs. Uh, and then uh, what I like to do is I, I think of DJing as, as producing moments, you know, mm -hmm. moments on the dance floor where, uh, and when I get to that feeling that now is the time for that moment, uh, I, I, I play that song, you know, and, and because I know that song has, you know, that I can see that people are in the certain place, but that, this song is going to make them feel really strong or, and, that, and that's what I mean about by a moment that it brings out something in people, you know, uh, and you, know, you, ha you have that's an, the mood. Yeah, you have an early moment and then you have a moment when everyone's getting a little bit excited and then you get a moment where everyone is, uh, yeah. So I'm thinking about this. Yeah, moods, another word for it. But I think tracks have this ability to, to produce a moment, you know. Yeah. That's it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Muito obrigado. Very good. Gente, esse foi Dick Trisco, esteve aqui com a gente. Ele veio tocar na, na nossa festa, na Bahia Bug. E é isso. Inscreva-se no canal. Dê seu like, compartilhe. Faça girar aqui, ó. Que a gente tá aqui sempre, tá? Wanna say something? Ciao, ciao. Bye, bye. Bishos. Great. Thank you very much. I thank you, man. That was fun. Hopefully it, it looks yeah. and sounds okay. I